Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I have a loaded question to begin with today. And, I, and, and when I ask this question, what I'm, what I'm going to invite you to do, what I would like you to do is just, first of all, reflect upon the question related to perhaps what you were brought up with first. And then perhaps consider how you might answer the question now and see if there's any change within you that has unfolded. So the question is this. What is God's will? What is God's will? Just check in for yourself for a moment to see what resonates for you, what's coming up for you. And it's a rhetorical question, so there's no need to say out loud what's coming up for you, because I, I, I can imagine what it might be, especially in relationship to past ideas. And I also have an imagination that works quite well that would allow me to know what perhaps you think about that now. What is God's will? Is it limitation and bondage? Or is it infinite freedom? I know what I think. God's God, God's will, you know, God's will is infinite freedom because God is infinite freedom. God is infinite freedom from bondage. So then, if that's the case that I hold firm and resolved, resolved in my heart, then it leads me to a question that is a challenge for me and is a challenge for many people who come into our centers and, and our spiritual communities uh, because we're very optimistic here. I don't know if you know that. But a question that gets asked a lot is this, why is there suffering? If that's the truth, if God is infinite freedom from bondage, why is there suffering? We can look to the world and say, ah, I see suffering, I observe suffering. Some of us, I'm sure not many, have even experienced suffering at some point in our lives. I've experienced suffering at points in my life. It was before I, you know, had a deeper spiritual understanding and respect for life. That suffering was rooted in a misunderstanding in mind. That's what I have come to, to accept in my own heart. It was the result of a personal misunderstanding in mind. And for a while, even though I was not brought up church, I did not go to church growing up, I was not brought up in a religious tradition, there was still a very strong sense in my life that that personal misunderstanding was essentially this. God will save me, or God will save us. God, I, God is this thing out there, and suffering is something that I have to experience, but God will save me. Well, what I have learned is that, yes, God saved me, because God is my mind. There is nothing to be saved from, really, except misguided thinking, misguided beliefs. Beliefs, thoughts, feelings that are working together to be destructive in your life. That's what I need saving from. 
Not your life, my life. But what I have found is that a consistency in my spiritual practice and coming into a spiritual notion and idea has allowed me to relieve myself of that affliction that God is going to save me and to know that by addressing my beliefs, by addressing my thoughts, by addressing the feeling that is wrapped up in my beliefs and my thoughts, that I am actually creating my life. So we're studying Emerson right now, those of us who are in that particular class, the works of Ralph Waldo Emerson. It is an extraordinary class. Um, So much. That's where I got the word juicy from. It is a juicy class. Those, right? It's a juicy class. Um, And this past week, we read the essay, Spiritual Laws. Well, it really resonated with me. Um, in terms of what I wanted to talk about this week. And so I want to share with you this first quote from that essay. It is only the finite that has wrought and suffered. The infinite lies stretched in smiling repose. It is only the finite... I don't know why. Smiling repose. (laughs) It is only the finite that has wrought and suffered... The infinite lies stretched in smiling repose. You know what? If we stop thinking of ourselves as finite, then we become the expression of the infinite lying stretched in smiling repose. It's a simple thought. It's a simple idea. Not always easy to do, right? But here's what I know. Here's what I hold firm in my heart and and how I have chosen to experience and express in this world to know that we are, each and every one of us, the full expression of love. We are the full expression of love. And by allowing myself to be guided in that understanding, what I see in every single person I encounter and the way I interact with every single person I encounter, it is a choice is to understand that we are love, knowing love, love, recognizing love. That's how I choose to be in every interaction. Am I always 100% successful in that? Yes. (laughs) Except for the times that I'm not. Love is the freedom to be. If I truly love someone, then I will give them carte blanche to be who they want to be. Many of us think that love is, oh, it becomes conditional. I will only love if it is in alignment with what I think you should be and the way you should be behaving towards me. Unconditional love means unconditional love. Without conditions. (laughs) How many of us are there? It's a rhetorical question. So I went on a cruise many years ago. And I've been on three cruises in my life, Caribbean cruises. Uh, I finally decided that I didn't like the cruise life. I know many people do, but I thought, if I'm going to be in the Caribbean, I'd rather be on a beach, not on a ship looking at all the water around me. Um, But I went on a few cruises, and they, they were chartered cruises for a particular demographic that I am a part of. And as I was preparing for the cruise, I thought, oh, you know what? I need to look and act a certain way to be able to fit in on this cruise experience. 
I bought into a limited thought. That thought led to disassociation of feeling like I don't fit in. It started to ingrain within me, oh, you don't fit in. You're not like the others. You're not like the others. Well, you've heard me say before, now that I have learned, well, why would I want to be like anybody else? Why don't I just be me? Why don't I be my unique self so unabashedly? And so I do now. And it, and it bothers some people. You know what? <laughs> They're not my people. But so, I, so there was this disassociation. I felt like I couldn't fit in. And, and I used to be a lot more fearless. I think about the time when I, like in, in junior high and high school, which I talked about last night, last night, last week, um, I was fearless. And then I started to worry about other people's opinions. Now that is a stopper. That is bondage. The minute I begin to give in to thinking I need to live up to other people's opinions or expectations, I have placed myself in bondage. It has nothing to do with their opinions of me. It has to do with whether or not I am accepting of those opinions and allowing myself to be driven by that. So what is to be done? What is to be done in that? Well, I decided at a point that I was going to start playing the God game. What the God game needed to be, though, was a releasing of the idea that God would ever fix my problems. The God game is about recognizing the truth of being. And as we teach in New Thought, there can be nothing separate from the infinite. God is the infinite power and presence of creation. There can be nothing separate from the infinite. And so the God game is beginning to play in this thing called life, knowing my identity, remembering who I am. We even in prayer sometimes think that God is going to fix our problems. Even in new thought, we sometimes get lost in that. Um, and God will fix our problems. Did you know that? God as you. You are the power and the presence. And so whatever it is you seek in prayer, whatever it is you seek in res resolution in your life is demonstrated through you as you, as God. You are the vehicle of the divine. So you can make a decision. You can suffer or you can lie stretched in smiling repose. God's nature, the very nature of God is creation and nothing else. God's nature is creation and nothing else. We, we speak of creation as the outflow of love's impression upon itself. And those are jargony words that we use, and people go, well, what does that really mean? It means that you are the full expression, the creation of love. That's the truth of your being, and that's why I choose to experience you with that as my frame of reference. But I will ask you this. Do, would you be willing to do the same thing by looking in the mirror and understanding that truth about yourself? Because I think sometimes we also say, oh, it's very easy to see everyone else as divine, but we forget to look in the mirror and see ourselves as divine. To truly understand that if I look in the mirror and I look into my own eyes in that reflection, that I must be willing to say, I love you and mean it, and not have a catch that makes me go, oh, I don't want to recoil in that. I want to know that I can look at myself and say I love you.
it is not up to God to give you courage. Decide to be courageous. It is not up to God to shower you with wealth. Decide to live a wealthy consciousness. And I want to be really clear. Wealth, in this sense, does not equate to money. Although money can be the result of a wealth consciousness and is often the result of a wealth consciousness. Any sense of bondage that we may be experiencing is the result of a restricted sense of reality. And when I talk about reality in this instance, I'm talking about reality with a capital R, which is the great infinite reality, the great I am that I am. So any sense of bondage is a result of thinking that that is in any way restricted. It is not. And so we must be willing to unbound ourselves, unbind ourselves. That's, what, that's actually the proper grammar, right? To let go of the bondage, to unbind ourselves, to find freedom, knowing that we are the creators of that freedom. There is nothing that has anything to do with anything out there that limits us in any way. It is only our own thought that does that. Our own relationship in thought to the things out there is the thing that keeps us bound. And so I'm willing today to let it go, to live in absolute, magnificent freedom once and for all. How about you? Now, I want to address something because sometimes people hear me say, you're responsible for all of it. And they mishear it. What, the, way that the, the manner in which they mishear what I am saying is they will sit back and they think, is he saying that I am to blame for my suffering? The answer is yes and no. But I don't give a lot of credence to the construct of blame. When I talk about responsibility, that is a forward-moving action. Blame is letting ourselves be rooted in past ideas. Responsibility is the opportunity to know that in any given circumstance, I can choose how I shall move forward. So nothing from the past has any bondage over me any longer. And so, am I saying that you are to blame for your suffering? Yes if that's what you want to hold on to, but no, if you are letting yourself not beat yourself up, if you are allowing yourself to let yourself off the hook, if the knowledge of infinite freedom is part of how you would like to move forward, that knowledge is the knowledge of empowerment. To know who you are, to take responsibility for your life is saying, I am empowered to do something about my life, to begin to say yes, to begin to understand what it is I can do in life and let go of any of the junk that I have been taught that is not in support of that. So my encouragement to you is stop beating yourself up. This knowledge, this empowerment means you, you can change, but nobody's going to do it for you. Oh my gosh, I came to church on Sunday because I thought that he was going to do it for me. Sorry. God's will for you is creation. That's what I believe. God's will for you is creation 
and to and 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 and, and if, if I were to understand God as something outside the self, I would say that God has endowed us each with creative faculty that is letting itself be known, and we're the only ones who can ever hold that back. What do you believe about God? That's another rhetorical question. What do you believe about God? And what I think is that what you believe about God is what you believe about yourself. We do not honor God, ourselves, by living with a less than consciousness. We do not honor God ourselves by repeatedly affirming I can't. We do not honor God ourselves by thinking we are limited. Because here's the thing, we can't limit God. We can only limit our experience of God by forgetting who we are. And so if you're ready to take a step forward, to allow yourself to be free, to allow yourself to truly experience freedom, you got to let go of the stuff that you think you can't do or that you think you can't think or that you think you can't believe because God's nature is infinite. We're the, only, we're the only aspect that is limiting that idea. We're the only aspect that is limiting ourselves as God from the full expression of life. And then... This past week's essay that we read in Emerson has one of my favorite Emerson quotes of all time. You ready for this one? Here it is. Be and not seem. Let us take our bloated nothingness out of the path of the divine circuits. (laughs) Be and not seem. Let us take our bloated nothingness out of the path of the divine circuits. Be willing to shed any limitation in your experience of life that holds you back from understanding the truth of who you are. Today, consider who you are. You are free to be, to do, to have anything you desire in life. That's what I hold in my heart for you. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Or are you sitting here going, yeah, he's a, he's got, he's a load of, you know, it's a load of. You're the only one limiting yourself because I see you as magnificently unlimited. That's how I choose to understand you. And every time, I hope you see it in my eyes whenever I greet you, that I see the magnificence that is you. Always. Treat all life as God. Treat all life as God. Offer respect and reverence, for it is the infinite power of creation. But that also means let us treat ourselves with respect and reverence, because we are the conduit of infinite creation. Release the idea of what is God going to do for me and replace it with, how am I choosing to engage in the creative power of life? How am I choosing to engage in the creative power of life? Treat, treat yourself as God, because that's the truth of who you are. That's the truth of who you are. You are fully and wholly supported by the infinite power, and it only knows to create by means of you. You are a vehicle of that creation. So stop playing the game of God that says, 
you are less than and start living your life as God. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. If you are new to our community, one of the things that I do every week is I offer homework, something that you can take with you from here and activate it in your life. The homework this week in relationship to this message today is this. Find one aspect of your life, perhaps, that you have been looking at as though it's a failure and turn it around. Live as though failure is not an option and see what happens for you. Only you know what that aspect of your life is, but if there's anything that popped up for you that you may be looking at and going, yeah, I've had a challenge with that, I feel like it's a failure in my life, know that you are not a failure and begin to reframe your thinking around that idea. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.